Welcome to the Movie Librarians Podcast. I'm Martin, and I'm a real-life librarian. And I'm Deepti, and I'm a librarian by proxy. On today's episode of The Movie Librarians, we are going to be reviewing Nomadland, a 2020 movie directed by Chloe Zhao and starring Frances McDormand as the main character, Fern. The movie is based on a 2017 nonfiction book titled Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century, written by Jessica Bruder, and I just read this book a little while ago. We thought it would be interesting to review this movie and see how I enjoyed the movie having read the book and whether Martin enjoyed it more or less not having read the book. So the movie won lots of awards, most notably for Best Picture, uh, Best Director for Chloe Zhao, uh, and Best Actress for Frances McDormand uh, at this year's Academy Awards. Zhao became the first woman of color, the first Asian woman, and the only the second woman to ever win the Best Director at the Academy Awards. About time. Agreed. So Deepti. Yes, Martin? Would you like to give us a synopsis of this movie? Okay. So this movie starts with Fern, played by Frances McDormand, um, who has recently lost both her job and her husband. She's packing up her van with some stuff from a storage locker, and she's hitting the road. She travels the country in her van. Uh, she works seasonal jobs wherever she can find them. Amazon before Christmas, for example. Uh, she's a camp host at a campground during the summer, etc. She meets a lot of other people like her people who live in vans and RVs and cars for various reasons, and she makes a number of very close friends. One of these friends is Dave, who seems to like her. Dave ends up reuniting with his son and his grandson and basically decides to move in with them, basically decides to settle down, and he invites Fern to visit and to stay there long-term if she wants. While she's there, she realizes she doesn't really want that at all, and she ends up hitting the road again. And that's where the movie ends. So Martin, what was the uh, critical response to this movie? It's a fine question, Deep D. Thank you for asking. No problem. RogerEbert.com. We have Brian Tallarico. Mm -hmm. If that name sounds familiar, you might recognize it from when we reviewed Parasite. So this is Brian Tallarico's second appearance on the Movie Librarians Ooh. podcast. I thought you meant on Ebert.com. No, no. He's got okay. lots on Ebert.com. <laughs> he's, like, he's all over there. But for our podcast, okay. we also read his review of Parasite. True, true. Uh, Did we review Parasite? <clears throat> Didn't we? No. Oh, we only watched it? Yeah, we watched it and oh. we said we'd watched it. It was something else, though. We definitely yeah, we read did. something else by it. Yeah, because we didn't actually review Parasite. We watched it over our Christmas oh, yeah. holidays. Ha! Huh. Cut you out there. You did. But yes, we have read something, another review by him. Well, they'll figure it out some other time. Yeah. When he comes up again. So in his review, uh, Brian Tallarico says, Nomadland becomes more than just a fictional account of a fascinating woman, as it also reminds us how many people are out there with stories to tell and dreams going unfulfilled. And yet it never wallows in grief or misery. So that's Brian's review. He gave it four stars out of four. So Oh, wow. Okay. Top of the line there. Mm-hmm. Uh, on our old friend, the Tomatometer, yes. uh, we have a critical response of 93% fresh, or 8.8 .8 out of 10. Okay, that's from, from the, the critics. That's from the, the professional critics, mm -hmm. yes. From the audience, we have an 82% fresh, uh, and 4.1 out of 5, which translates to 8.2 out of 10. Okay. So, a little less fresh amongst the audience. Mm. The yeah, but not as divergent as they often are. So, one good one here from Sam P., in, he gave five stars, or she gave five stars. Sam P. says, Captivating! I know these people! That's all that Sam tells us. Okay. 
Maybe they actually know. Possibly, some it's of hard these to people. say. Maybe because yeah. they are also a nomad, perhaps. Could be. In one of the less glowing reviews, Alan gave it half of a star. Alan says, "Was this a joke? Best picture? Nothing more than politically correct documentary. We left after forty-five minutes. No wonder the awards had the lowest ratings ever. Less than zero credibility." Well, what is politically correct about this movie? Fine question, Deep D. Doesn't really express a political perspective at all. I don't think. Yeah, it's not exactly pushing any particular viewpoint. Yeah. I have one other tomatometer review for you. Alrighty. This one is also a half star review. Okay. Lizzie, who is actually the first reviewer of this movie on on, on Rotten Tomatoes. On Rotten Tomatoes, yes. In February of 2021, says so depressing. Very poor character development. Fern was not likable. The movie had no heart, and the scenery was mostly drab. Other than that, I loved it. The ending was thought provoking, but painful to get to. Skip this one. I feel conflicted. I don't know how to feel. I know. Lizzie has really sort of taken us through this emotional yeah. roller coaster. Wait, so she didn't like most of it, but then she liked the rest of it. Like half a star, but also the ending was good. <laughs> yeah. The ending was good, but skip it. Ah. It was hard to get to there and, and what to do. So we're not sure how you really feel, Lizzie. Yeah. Um, you Please know. write to us and let us know. <laughs> if you send would us like an to email clarify at your thoughts. MovieLibrarians at gmail.com. Exactly. There's our critical review. Mm-hmm. So generally a positive critical response. Yeah. And a generally good response from audiences, too. Yeah. As okay. one would kind of expect from a from such an award-winning movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Martin, what did you think of the movie? What did you write in your little notebook? Uh, it starts off as a very quiet movie. Very simple sounds, like a lot of the back sound that you would normally have in a movie and back music. It was very muted or very almost non-present uh, in a lot of times, which I thought was very interesting. Like the opening scene, you've just got like that kind of water trickling sound. It's almost like kind of natural landscapey type sound that you would expect. But it was also very grim, mm-hmm. it felt. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of music. Yeah. Overall, I found the movie to be, as other people said, kind of depressing, a very grim kind of view of things. There Mm -hmm. was beauty within that, but the overarching feeling was like sad Mm -hmm. in its own way. And like seeing little moments of beauty and greatness within that sadness. What made you sad about it? It was very much kind of like survival, I think, within the context of, of America and North America generally. Of like, you know, we have this view of life in North America as being kind of very easy and open and lots of money everywhere for everyone and things are very easy for everyone. You can like you don't really have to struggle through things. Or relatively, I guess, relatively, compared to yeah. other countries. Yeah. So, uh, some not, other countries, yeah. Not really a struggle to, to do things, to just kind of get through day-to-day existence. Mm-hmm. But this really sort of shows the other side of that is that that there are lots of people or at least some people who who are struggling to get through their day-to-day existence who've sort of given up trying to do so in the standard way that we have set up society and are are kind of reverting to this nomadic lifestyle and just kind of doing that using the tools of the 20th century to to get around or the 21st century too to get around and communicate with each other and set things up but it's still this sort of like kind of basic survival mm-hmm. and really just working on like Maslow's hierarchy of needs like that base level of trying to make sure they have food and shelter you love that hierarchy of needs <laughs> I swear you've brought that up have I brought it up in many times yes, yes. okay well <laughs> it really stands out in this one yeah I think that's 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 part of what it what it goes for. Yeah, at the same time, so so Frances McDormand, of course, is, is a fantastic actor and, and always is great in what she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was very interesting how quickly they were able to really demonstrate the complexity of her character, too. Like, she, you start off with this person living in a van 
who sort of declines any help from other people and this very basic sort of lifestyle. But she also very quickly talks about tutoring this child and quotes off the top of her head some Shakespeare and not sort of standard, you know, Romeo and Juliet Shakespeare. I think it was from Ham- from Macbeth, actually, which I found very interesting. So it was a good way to kind of demonstrate this character as a very sort of like intelligent woman who, who knows things and proud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and has ended up just in this in this lifestyle. We don't really know why, and mm-hmm. or yeah, haven't fully figured that out yet. And so that was very interesting. There were some very beautiful landscape shots to sort of intersperse the story. And one of them was of a train going along, which I thought was really meant to kind of harken to like a 1930s style, kind of riding the rails, nomadic lifestyle of what was going on then during the Depression. Mm-hmm. Or this Depression. Very perceptive. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that sort of poverty of the Depression era, and then really sort of showing that in the context of the modern day, too. Again, getting back to that, like, that we have this sort of lifestyle still going on in the U.S., that, that you still have to live that way, mm-hmm. whether you want to or not. Yeah, Fern again showing her complexity with, with the character of Dave when he sort of tries to help her out, and I don't know how much we're going to give away here, but um, he breaks the dishes that she had, mm-hmm. uh, but then soon after she's taken him to the hospital, too. Um, and sitting with him there mm-hmm. so sort of really it's not this sort of black and white kind of he's a bad guy or she doesn't like him anymore and never speaks to him again because of this dishes thing she still takes him to the hospital and looks after him so there's very much like this community people really look after each other um, mm-hmm. possibly by necessity or at least just that's just how the community is mm-hmm. and while that was all going on and while the community was or was really showing the development of that community i was thinking about the culture of the community as well and the culture of the nomads that is kind of building there and i thought it was great to have that as like those communities are how you end up building culture over time and how you have these sort of distinct cultures but then it came back to that sort of depressing thing where you have like it starts off in amazon and walmart as these sort of monoliths and mm-hmm. the kind of monoliths that have been that have really destroyed those individual cultures just making this blanket everybody is on prime or or Mm -hmm. things like that Um, and just sort of homogenizing culture and destroying those local independent little cultures so yeah even though there is this nomadic culture that would develop it's also being sort of ground out by these monolithic large corporations turning people into soylent kind of thing so yeah that was that was a thought that i had going through too Mm -hmm. just very interesting very very beautiful in one respect but depressing in another that's Um, life for you yeah (laughs) now you're depressed (laughs) (laughs) I have uh, some questions for you related to the book. Okay. Um, well, should I should I maybe go through my thoughts first, or did you want to ask your book related questions first? No. The other thing I'll say it is is that uh, kind of like the other movie we watched, uh, El Agente Topo. Right. The Agent um, Mole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one set in the um, senior's home in Chile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is another sort of semi-documentary, semi-fiction, mm-hmm. like blurs the lines between the two. It's really yeah. unclear where the line was, and I wasn't wasn't fully sure other than Francis McDormand. And I guess Dave, went, like after we looked him up and saw that he was also yeah. an actor. Um, so I, I looked it up. Apparently, it's just the two of them, really, that are actors. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was an actual nomad playing themselves. Okay. Like uh, playing a fictionalized version of themselves. Right. Um, so Linda May and Swanky are actually two very important characters in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I thought it was really sweet actually that they were that they were in the movie and they do seem as lovely as she you know describes them in the book. What was your other question about the? A lot of the people who were in the nomadic life, they really seem to be drawn out to that nomadic lifestyle by trauma or loss of some mm-hmm. kind, especially sort of personal traumas 
or major loss. That there's nobody who seemed to be there because they were enraptured with this sort of romantic idea of nomadic mm-hmm. lifestyle or who had, who had really chosen it, willingly wanted to go there. They just seemed to be there because of some deeper significant uh, aspect. Or, or some major deep. life obstacle. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so I wondered if that was the same in the book. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much everybody, she, at least the ones that she interviews for the book, are all sort of mostly down on their luck kind of people. And then some, for example, Linda May, I don't know if you remember, she talks about how she has bought some land in Arizona. So she actually did do that. So I guess she could have technically used that money to have a home somewhere. But I guess she decided she didn't want that. She wanted to build that earthship that she was talking about. Um, and that's discussed in quite some detail in the book is her plans for her earthship. So yeah, but pretty much everybody she talks to is there because of some something bad, you know, job loss, um, healthcare, debt, or, you know, something like that. What did you think? I had lots of thoughts about this movie. Um, I did think, like you said, it was almost like a documentary. It felt like whenever Frances McDormand was there doing something, it was very much a movie because she's an actor. And then it was clear with the other characters that they were not professional actors because you can set, you know, you get that feeling of like when somebody's being interviewed, they, they're very conscious of the camera being right there. So it's a different, it's a different type of performance. And so to me, it was clear that like immediately that those people probably were not professional actors. Like, uh, so yeah, to me, it felt a little bit conflicted because I was like, ah, it's a movie sometimes, but then a documentary sometimes you know whereas in the agent mole it was really unclear throughout how much of it was real and how much wasn't you know whereas here i felt like okay these people are real people talking about the real stories like linda may swanky and bob wells and that guy and then when francis mcdormand is on it's very much a movie so i kind of felt like it the movie was sort of divided almost Uh, i'm not sure if that was intentional or if that was just something that resulted from using so many non-professional actors or i guess from using non-actors but yeah i thought that was interesting I really enjoyed having as many older women as there were in the movie. Yeah. You just, I mean, where would you even see a movie with that many women in their 60s, you know, or 70s just hanging out and talking about how to survive on your own? You know, it's just, it's unusual just for that fact alone. All these women with their wrinkles and like, you know, their, their crazy personalities. and More than one older woman in the movie is yeah, exactly. shocking for her. Yeah, and it's not anybody's grandma. <laughs> right it's just like just women living on their own they're not like somebody's mother or grandmother or aunt or whatever they're just they're out there on their own doing their own thing old woman in parking lot yeah exactly yeah there's no old woman in parking lot number three (laughs) yeah so i thought that was pretty cool um and i really liked like the scenes where the three of them are hanging out or sometimes it's just fern with linda may sometimes just fern with swanky and they're just like joking around and just having fun like just being friends and i thought those those were really really nice scenes i felt like francis mcdormand was really good at making people sort of yeah, have that sort of one-on-one I have thing. a fun fact about that oh, later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, but then, okay, then I want to talk about how I think reading the book actually prevented me from enjoying the movie entirely because the book is really, really, really scathing. And it's not scathing in a, in a very like biased way. It's not sort of like Amazon is bad and blah, blah, blah. But she just lays out stories for you. Um, she interviews people and she, she works her, the author worked there herself a season or two. I don't remember. She works there. She works at the Beat Factory. She works at the... Does she work at the campground? Or maybe she just describes it. Anyway, she describes all these stories and she doesn't give you her point of view. It's just she describes the facts and what happened 
to people and what happened to her. And you're like, that is unacceptable. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, I felt it was a lot more scathing. And I, I, I mean, I may be biased just by having read it. So you, you certainly pointed out that it was sort of a criticism, um, the way things are in the US right now. But I felt like the book really hits harder. And of course, you can't have everything that's in a book put into a movie. We discovered that with Rebecca when you try to do that. Mm-hmm. It turns out pretty badly. <laughs> um, but one notice, one difference I, I noticed, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, is that well, I don't know if you can agree with this because it kind of addresses the book. I felt like the book was a criticism of how the U.S. has let down all these people, all these nomads who are out there in various ways, you know, be it through uh, lack of health care or unemployment or whatever. And then I felt that the movie was a little more about Fern, like it was about Fern and her own inner struggles. Yeah, it was it was less about the the situation and more about Fern as a person. So I think that kind of shifted the focus a little bit because in the book, for example, you know, they show they show us um, Fern working at Amazon and stuff, and you just see her working like no big deal. But there's, I mean, extensive passages in the book describing the work at Amazon. And it's all about like the shifts are 10 hours long. Everybody's just popping painkillers all day because everybody's like in their 60s and 70s, you know, and, um, and and the work is really, really brutal. Like it's very physically demanding, especially for somebody that age. And they're just popping painkillers all day. And there people suffer injuries, you know, and they're really grateful when Amazon helps them with their injury. Like they give them the rest of the day paid off or something. And they're super grateful about that there's more discussion of like health scares you know all that sort of stuff like it's it's a little grittier like not a little grittier it's a lot grittier the book is it gives you you really get insights into lots of different people's lives how brutal the work is yeah we didn't really get the the brutality of the amazon work and the work in general probably in part because they wouldn't have been able to get permission to show that but at the same time you also get the you get some of the underlying parts of that when Frances is checking into the campground where her van is and they mention like oh yeah Amazon pays for this so Amazon clearly knows that they've got this nomadic workforce that people just sort of come in living out of their their vans Mm -hmm. like that's that's all they can live out of yeah that people are are living this lifestyle and they come in like this um, and then I guess work under the assumption that this is a choice that they want to make and that's how the people want to live and everything yeah and maybe for some it is but for a for most it really felt like it was very just sort of a requirement of where they had ended up in life because of the way things are right so i think because i read the book i wasn't able to tell whether the movie got that across does that make sense because i i didn't find the movie to be as sort of a scathing criticism as the book was i think because of the style of the movie too it's not going to appear as much of a scathing Mm -hmm. criticism because you have to do that sort of focusing on one character type of thing and yeah, of the course. Other characters too. Yeah. So they had to sort of build it around Fern. that, yeah. around Fern. So you yeah, had to see experience. sort of all the different things. And so yeah. uh, when she takes Dave to the hospital, and we don't really get much information about that trip to the hospital, like because yeah. I mean it was a fictionalized one, of course, because yeah, it, I characters. don't think Dave is a is a real person. Yeah, he's a character. He's a character that was invented for this. Yeah. So, so we don't really know, you know, that if he ended up in the hospital, even if it was a small thing, that could still be bankrupting, crippling debt for him. Yeah. And we don't hear anything I about guess, that. I'm, I would have liked it if maybe they'd shown, like, I don't know, like, her struggling to get out of, you know, because she is in her 60s or whatever she's supposed to be, mm-hmm. her struggling with her back or, like, popping painkillers before her shift or something. Because that was, it was such a big part of the book. And it really shows, like, these are elderly people who should be retiring, you know, who should have some degree of comfort. And here they are just popping ibuprofen in the morning and, you know, and during the day 
in order to get through their shift. Just, I couldn't do that job now, you know? And there's no way I'm gonna be able to do that when I'm in my 60s. So I wish there had been a little more of a nod to that aspect of it, of like, because it kind of showed everybody who was pretty able-bodied and, you know, able to go to these places and work and nobody complained about the physical labor. Whereas I feel like somebody that age would just be like, oh, I need to sit down, you know? Or yeah, so maybe, exactly. maybe it glossed over that a little bit. Yeah, I would say it probably did. Yeah, where it could have easily incorporated that. You know, she could have been just taking some pills in the morning or like groaning as she gets out of bed. or That could have been sort of added fairly easily, I think. Yeah, that's very interesting. There's a, also an article in The Atlantic. One of the writers went to a meat factory or a meat preparing factory, slaughterhouse, basically. Oh, right, um, yeah. And his physical labor at the slaughterhouse. Yeah. yeah. And he talks about, like, basically everyone there was popping painkillers every yeah. day because it's demanding physical labor and they have to constantly go more and more. It's, yeah. It's all about money, money, money. To It's all about, like, units per hour, you know? So yeah. he talks about, like, how he finally makes the cut or whatever because he's finally getting enough per hour. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and he's, like, in his late 20s, I believe, and says he's taking pills all yeah. the time and his co-workers are taking like oxycodone and yeah so that that's something that could have been easily added to the movie mm-hmm. i think which would have probably added a touch more of like harsh realism yeah harsh realism of like wow these because i think there's in in the book for example i think there's a couple where one of the, one person in the couple gets really sick and then they can't do the work anymore so none of that that sort of doesn't get addressed and i understand you can't you can't address everything in a movie but i felt like it could have gone a little bit deeper yeah but it's hard for me to say because you know maybe this the movie gives you all those things in a subtler way yeah you seem to have gotten most of that yeah i guess didn't get the specifics but got some of the, the broader ideas of that, yeah that the broader sort of, ideas yeah just the difficulty of existing that that the cost monetary and well mostly monetary really cost of existence is so much that it has driven people down to to a basically a lifestyle that we had thought was hot was yeah it was very much from the depression era yeah and so it was interesting that you mentioned the depression era train sort of thing because she does harken back to the depression in the book how this was a thing during the depression too people would travel around you know looking for work and yeah and even at the same time it was all the same problems happening like people trying to get you out of their neighborhood and you can't park here and blah 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 yeah something that just really doesn't work in the, the sort of western idea of land and stationary agricultural lifestyle yeah. but it's interesting it is a very much in the book anyway it's very much portrayed as a problem for seniors this is particularly affecting older people who can no longer maintain their like middle class lifestyle and i mean i guess you kind of get that in the movie because almost everybody that you see is looks like they're in their 60s or older yes but there's that one young guy that she gives a lighter to um, oh that's right yeah and he gives her one back later yeah, on yeah 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 um, there's the one young guy but he's not really a, he's not really one of the nomad nomads he's not sort of like um no but he might be sort of just a or i guess sort of like a symbol of the fact that these people are in this nomadic lifestyle and it's affecting younger generations too like mm, people are too. coming up and they that, don't even have a van yeah, i guess that right? they won't be able to to break into the american dream of of having that house yeah and, cushy job and, and yeah healthcare and everything he's like he's just going to be living in this existence probably his whole life can i read you some um passages from the book you can yes we're facing the first ever re- reversal in retirement security in modern u.s history she explained starting with the younger baby boomers each successive generation is now doing worse than previous generations in terms of their ability to retire without seeing a drop in living standards okay this is somebody that uh, the author interviewed i believe so 
Someone asked, why do you want a homestead? To be independent, get out of the rat race, support local businesses, buy only American-made, stop buying stuff I don't need to impress people I don't like. Right now, I'm working in a big warehouse for a major online supplier. I think we know who that is. <laughs> the stuff is crap, all made somewhere else in the world where they don't have child labor laws, where the workers labor 14 to 16 hour days without meals or bathroom breaks. There is 1 million square feet in this warehouse packed with stuff that won't last a month. It is all going to a landfill. This company has hundreds of warehouses. Our the economy is built on the backs of slaves we keep in other countries, like China, India, Mexico, any third world country with a cheap labor force where we don't have to see them, but where we can enjoy the fruits of their labor. This American corporation is probably the biggest slave owner in the world. It's just harsh. I mean, it's, it gives you the harsh reality. Yeah. And uh, that, that sentence actually really impacted me was the fact that this American corporation is probably the biggest slave owner in the world. I thought, mm -hmm. wow, that's it's so true. But then how will the owner get to go to space? Mm. These are uh, the things that like 200 years down the line, as people, as people are looking back on history, they're going to wonder, like, look at this guy who crushed so many people down yeah. and look at the or group of people really who crushed so many people down, who worsened the standard of living mm -hmm. from something that was going in a reasonably good direction, not great racially, not great for... for yeah, not perfect by yeah, any means. But was heading in a good direction or a better direction for most people. And then reverse that, like how you've gone from lifting up to then pushing down again, yeah. returning to serfdom and, and, and feudalism and, and everything else that's just becoming the case. In... Yeah. So I, I really do recommend this book. I think it's very well written. And like I say, she doesn't hit you over the head with anything. She just sort of presents, lays out the information in a logical way. And you're kind of like, oh, you know, like you draw your own dots between between everything. I think the movie then probably probably tries to do a similar thing, but, but is a little less direct about it. So all that stuff is there. As you were saying, those are things that I picked up on, that, that it is that grim reality and mm -hmm. shows all those little things. But I don't think you'll necessarily get that if you're not watching it and thinking about it and thinking yeah to say. that's my thing is like you might come away with like oh that's really sad that movie was really depressing i i hope i don't end up like that or like something mm -hmm. like that but would you actually link all those things together like the working at amazon with this lifestyle with no protection and benefits and yeah not enough money would you see it as a broader failure of the social contract within there like everything that yeah we, exactly yeah. yeah there is still that idea that like no no like they've just made wrong choices in their life and they can lift themselves out of a type of thing and but, but i wondered the, if the movie did dispel that notion yeah i don't think it really did yeah um, like if you if you come to it from a upper middle class view and you sit down to watch it especially with that very american and to a lesser extent because we're Canada and we do everything that America does to a lesser extent mentality of like no you can just get yourself out of it if you really work hard at it if you come to the movie with that mentality you're just going to say oh these people just made bad choices they should make some better choices and they can get out of it they can pull themselves up and work work a little harder or I guess you fun. might think that they are pulling themselves up by like working hard now at Amazon or whatever I don't think anyone would see it as as a failure of society when that's what it is Okay, so that of... kind of sums up my feeling. I, I don't feel that the movie fully conveyed the fact that this was a failure of society. Yeah. yeah. All right, are you ready for some fun facts? Now that we've talked about 
the grim failures of society and the darkness that this movie uh, elucidates. Let's have some fun facts. Let's let's have some fun <laughs> facts. Okay, so I've consulted um, BuzzFeed and mm-hmm. also trivia on IMDb. So as I mentioned earlier, almost the entire cast was comprised of quote unquote real people, i.e. not professional actors. They all play slightly fictionalized versions of themselves as per BuzzFeed. The crew all lived out of vans, mm-hmm. including the one used in the movie Vanguard during filming. That's kind of cool. Did Frances McDormand also live out of a van? I don't know. She's not technically crew, is she? No. But <laughs> so, I can see her doing so for the yeah, sake of the film. She, yeah. I don't know if she's a method actor. If she is, then she was definitely living out of that van. Yeah. But maybe even she if found she really wasn't, comfortable. I could see her doing so just because that's really almost necessary to the aesthetic of the movie. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting one. They were able to film inside an Amazon packaging facility simply by asking. Yeah, this says that Fran wrote a nice letter to Amazon to ask them if we could do it, and they said yes. I wonder if there were any conditions, like you can't show any negative... Probably. Yeah. Any any negative things yeah. about this. But also at the same time, like if Frances McDormand writes to you saying, can we do this? Right. You would almost have You'd to say like, yes, uh... just because like, if you didn't, then it would it would definitely come out later that Frances McDormand wrote to Amazon and said, can we film in here? And they declined. <laughs> what is that? I say? guess. I mean, <laughs> they'd be within their right to do that, I guess. They would, but, but it would be a clear indictment of, yeah. of them. Um, it says that Frances McDormand actually did get an upset stomach from dinner and really took a dump in the five-gallon bucket. In a five-gallon bucket. I'm not sure if it was the, the specific the one in her van or that scene. Oh, my God. Can you imagine <laughs> pooping on camera? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's if possible. If you're going to, then, then I guess... Th- this would be the movie to the do right it. Time, yeah. yeah. Oh, here you go. Answering your, your question. <laughs> Frances McDormand nicknamed the van used in the film Vanguard which she decorated with her own personal items and slept in during the shoot. But then it says, eventually she stopped doing so because it's much better for me to pretend to be exhausted than to actually be exhausted. <laughs> this is from IMDb. That's good. She's, she's, so she's not a method actor then? No, I, or she tried to be at first and got too tired. Frances McDormand blended into the nomadic community so well that one of the local targets offered her an application for a job. I like that. <laughs> Oh, yes, we got one other sort of sign that it was really sort of her being involved in all of this and really kind of driving some of the stuff when she was checking into the campground to work at Amazon. Mm-hmm. She says her name is Fern uh, and they're looking for it. They can't find it. And so then she goes, uh, it might be under MCD. It's like McDermott, like her last name. Oh. Um, so even though her character never really had a last name. Oh, that's true. Yeah. She then says McDormand, like, yeah. under McDormand. Yeah, under McDormand. Another fun fact, many of Frances McDormand's co-stars, such as Charlene Swanky and Bob Wells, had no idea she's a Hollywood star. Bob still did not know this until they shot an emotional scene in which Fern remembers her late husband, Beau. Afterward, he said to McDormand privately that it meant a lot for her to tell him that story and that everything was going to be okay. She subsequently revealed to him that her husband's name was actually Joel Cohen and he was still alive, which surprised Bob as he learned that McDormand was in fact an actress. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was quite, quite funny. The poem Fern recites to Derek is Sonnet 18 by William Shakespeare. The lines her former student quotes to her in the store are Shakespeare's as well from Act 5, Scene 5 of Macbeth. Oh, there you go. You were correct. Those are our fun facts for today for this movie. Should we keep it on our show? I don't no. I really enjoyed the book. I could see myself reading the book again. I'm not sure I would get anything out of watching the movie again. The only thing I would say is maybe if I watched it a few years from now, I could see if the movie sort of holds up on its own. It would certainly be interesting to see in 10 or 20 years time if, if the themes of the movie have continued and if, if society has worsened or improved, um, changed things in any way, shape or form, or if we're still living in a world that, that exists and that, that requires people to be in this state. Or maybe we'll be all huddled around a fire and eating our hunted rats for dinner and there will be no more dvds to watch 
and we'll be like, oh. you and your friend Sarah, you've got this real sort of like apocalyptic view of the world. Yeah, no, I don't I actually think that's going to happen. But. As for whether I would keep it on our shelves, I'm of two minds. I don't know that I would watch it again anytime soon, at least. So I probably wouldn't want to keep it on our shelf for that. But I would keep it on as something to lend out to others as like as very much a, a relevant piece of our time to, to mm-hmm. show how things are now to just as a yeah something for someone to watch and to think about and to to talk about later as well mm-hmm. or maybe just to demonstrate my own wherewithal yeah maybe you're just like i'm very intelligent and maybe, here's yeah. this movie i watched it's very <laughs> it's it's an art film maybe yes so, <laughs> so if there's something to lend out to other people then then i would probably right do so so people who don't as... need plot driven movies because i know a few people who do not like this type of film they need a plot right i might lend it to them to be like okay we're going to talk about some of the themes in it afterward. Mm. Okay, um, you're an I optimist and I'm a pragmatist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yes, as a, as a librarian, yes, I would put it on a shelf for people to, to see. And mm. to okay, we are with. the movie librarians, um, I yeah. suppose. Okay, fine. As a personal piece that I would want to watch again, probably not. Mm. Following up on that comment, I have an announcement to make. Do you? I mean, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so we have totally given up on the idea of book-to-film adaptations. That lasted all of one episode. Here's why. Two reasons, really. It's very hard to coordinate the reading with the watching. So we both have sort of limited time and it's kind of hard to sync up those two things. And the other thing was that the adaptations that we did find were um, that were easy enough to find for us to be able to recommend them uh, were largely stories by white authors about white people. So we thought that would make a pretty bland range of films to review. Mm -hmm. It would just be like, Jane Austen and you yeah, know like, I think like, our next one we were thinking about David Copperfield yeah which David Copperfield I guess they've done something new by hiring an Indian actor to play David Copperfield so that would be interesting but mm-hmm. yeah I think that was one of the few diverse ones we could and that's oh, come on including one <laughs> actor of color we're calling that diverse um so yeah basically we, we if we if we do the book to film adaptation it'll be very non-diverse mm-hmm. and that's no fun slim pickings overall very slim yeah. pickings yeah Okay. So yeah, so we're going back to random movie selections. Great. So with that, if you have any thoughts on this or any other movie we watched, or you have a movie you would like us to review, we do invite you to tweet at us, uh, at movie librarians, or you can email us at movielibrarians at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So movielibrarians at gmail.com, or send us a tweet at movielibrarians. Next time on The Movie Librarians, uh, we will be reviewing Us, a 2019 horror film directed by Jordan Peele and starring Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, and Elizabeth Moss. We will be watching this one on Netflix in Canada. And we've been watching Key and Peele lately, the comedy sketch show. So we, and we've also seen his thriller Get Out. So we look forward to seeing how Jordan Peele manages directing a horror film. Which, by the way, neither Deep D nor I like horror films. So this that's is right. really sort of a step outside of what we Our comfort zone. Yeah. But that's good, right? Because we're trying to review a diverse range of movies. That's true. We'll see if we can get to sleep after <laughs> we watch this. All right, so that's it for us for this episode. Thanks for listening, and we hope you tune in again for the next episode of The The Movie Movie Librarians.
really hot today. It is pretty hot, isn't it? I think this is going to be a short episode because it's 26 degrees, feels like 34 Celsius. We have had to turn off the air conditioner to record this. I'm suffering. We should have made cocktails. Hmm, I can always go to the fridge and get some wine. Hit pause. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, true. Let's get some wine. 